I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by... That's right, there's no sponsors this week, because of last week's show, with a poetry duel, which was a disgrace. No sponsors want to touch the show after that, and I've had lots of negative comments about it, about what happened on the Duelist episode, and I'll come to that in a minute. First of all, this might be your first episode that you've ever heard, so I probably should say the usual thing about me being Wayne, and this being a podcast about Iron Maiden, and how they influenced me growing up as a boy in 1980s Birmingham. This week, I'm looking at the song Back in the Village. But firstly, I'm afraid I have to go back and look at the Duelists episode again and look at the comments that I received. It involved a poetry duel between Trevor and Uncle Steve from the podcast Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. This was in addition to the usual quality insight and analysis from me. But I decided to humour Trevor because his poetry has been okay over the series, or five series now. He's even done a book, so I've let him get away with things, and even if I don't understand them, um, perhaps I'm not a fan of poetry myself, but it's the chance to involve a friend on your podcast. Anyway, Baz Forrest sent a message in, saying he was very disappointed in the poetry duel, especially the standard of poem, and he said, if words were weapons, they'd both have swords cut out of Shreddy's boxes and be standing there on a wet day, useless. I had several other comments about the standard of the poems, some of them I can't repeat on this show, because they're disgusting, because they're rude words and quite offensive. Baz actually said, can we have a poll to decide it, because he was annoyed that I said it was a draw. He actually insisted there was no rematch. The poems were that bad. As it happens, I did a poll, and Trevor won, but I don't even want to talk about that, because it means nothing. As far as I'm concerned, the matter's forgotten, although I do have to address some other comments about it, and I'll do that later. But yeah, I received some nasty comments about bottling it, as some people put it. In fact, I think Trevor said it on the episode. So yeah, maybe I should have been more committed to one cause or one poem. But I was put under pressure, and I had Uncle Steve and his intimidating mullet in the room, and I couldn't, I couldn't go against either of them. Hopefully, that hasn't affected things for you, the listener. And if you're listening to this, then it hasn't, unless this is a last chance. And talking of last chances... I did think about suspending Trevor for an episode or two as punishment because he did get a lot of stick for his attitude and reaction to Uncle Steve. I thought maybe I could involve other friends on the podcast because I do have some. Talking of new friends, uh, I was invited to a party last week. Um, I found out someone called Tim Burgers was doing a party about Iron Maiden and I was invited. I found out that everyone was invited because it was a Twitter listening party. And everyone had to listen to Power Slave at nine o'clock, or you couldn't go. I enjoyed this, and I did some tweets. And I found that other people who communicate with the show were also doing the same. And we all got together on Zoom and had a chat. It's quite nice. I met some other podcasters and, and friends of the show. I'm not going to name them all because it's quite a long list. But it's quite exciting to be included in a party for the first time since Trevor's New Year's party in 1998. In fact, no, I think there was a Millennium Party but we don't discuss that one. I was hoping Trevor could join us for this party. It was on Friday, but uh, of course, Friday's bath night for Trevor. Anyway, as well as uh, getting negative comments about the poetry, um, I also had a comment from Simon about the episode. And he said, why did I mention Game of Thrones and duels? That's so 2016, he says. 
I shall be talking about Bridgerton, which is a TV show on Netflix, which has had a duel in it recently, involving pistols. So perhaps you should get with the times, he says. So there you go. Uh, if you like duels on the telly and Game of Thrones is a bit old hat, then, then watch Bridgerton, like Simon says. This week, I'm looking at Back in the Village, and it starts off with a very quick guitar intro. I'm not going to attempt it, because it's too fast for me. It's never been played live, and I believe it is because of the speed of the song, because when they do play live, they tend to speed up the songs even more, and for this, it would be impossible. If you've been listening carefully, you'll realise that there's been three songs in a row that they haven't played live. We've had Flash of the Blade, The Duelists, and Back in the Village. So that's strange, and that's the longest sequence we've had so far. The guitar sort of snakes around, it's sort of all over the place, but but in control of course, because they know what they're doing. In the second line, it mentions a worm, so that's interesting that the guitar's snaky, but they mention a worm, and these are both wriggly things. The phrase in the lyric says, eat the worm, and this is a strange phrase, which isn't in the dictionary, or anywhere. I remember when I heard it as a boy, I tried to use it as a sort of put down, if someone was rude to me, I'd say, eat the worm. So if Thomas Spencer said, you smell, I'd say, eat the worm. This was a few years before Bart Simpson became famous for saying, eat my shorts, and had a career out of it. And I got a bit annoyed about this, because I was there first with a catchphrase like this, even though it didn't last very long. Because I kept saying this, Thomas Spencer asked me what it meant. And I said to him, I can't tell you. And this made him even more annoyed that I had a secret. I had this sort of power over him, and I quite liked it. I said to him that I couldn't tell him what he meant, but this actually was the truth, because I didn't know what it meant. I just said it. I kept saying it. Eat the worm, eat the worm, eat the worm, eat the worm. He even offered me some Panini football stickers, so I'd tell him what it meant. He offered me Jesper Olsen, Yoni Metgod, and the St Mirren badge, the shiny one. I felt guilty though, taking them, when actually I still couldn't tell him what it meant. I think it might be the sort of thing you say to someone if you grab their head and pull it to the floor in a threatening manner and say, eat the worm, because their head's on the floor, where worms might be. I never did this, of course. This wasn't the sort of thing I did at school. It was normally bullies that came to me. I remember one trick about looking at the goldfish, which sounds quite similar, where they put your head in the toilet. But I don't condone this trick. Or eat the worm, so don't try it. Don't, don't, I don't like it in public, so please don't do it. I don't want a spate of copycat crimes as a result of my show. The song was written by Bruce Dickinson and Adrian Smith. And I've been a bit cheeky in that I've just said eat the worm, out of context. And in the lyrics, the first two lines, it says, Throw the spotlight on the people, turn the dial and eat the worm. This still doesn't quite make sense, but I know that the song's about piloting or or being in an aeroplane and the TV show, The Prisoner. So in this case, eat the worm. Might be something a pilot might say or do, especially if he's in a war situation. So a bird catches the worm, doesn't it, in the famous phrase or saying. So I see the plane as like the bird getting the worm. And the worm might be a civilian. 
on the floor. You know, fodder. And again, like Two Minutes to Midnight, this shows the futility of war where people suffer for no reason. So it might sound like Bruce is being evil in his plane, like just eating the worm or pulling the trigger on these people. But actually, again, like as I said, it's just a statement. There are similarities, again, to Two Minutes to Midnight. In that song, it mentioned a feast and the meat and the gravy. And in this song, it also mentions a kitchen. It says, shell shock in the kitchen. Um, and, and this, again, perhaps looks at the reality of, of war and the effects on it. Because you've got someone with shell shock sitting in the kitchen. They've brought the war home with them. It's quite an effect. The Back in the Village is a reference to the Prisoner TV show where there was a man on an island trapped there and that's called The Village. And I may have looked at this in a bit of detail on the show about The Prisoner, which was two series ago. Um, so it's sort of a return to that theme. And in fact, a lot of people say it's a follow-up, but I don't agree with that. I mean, the songs about Charlotte the Harlot are sort of sequels. They do follow on a bit, but this, this is a bit separate to me. The link to The Village is that the character in the TV show is trapped on this island. And I think, again, the pilot in, in the flight bit, maybe they're trapped and feel trapped in the war. It's, it's, the decisions are out of their control. Back in the village, it's like yet another, the same old stuff in the same routine and not having any control over it. The song keeps up the pace and the chorus has the line, back in the village, again in the village. Um, as he says, this sort of basic phrase, so there's not much detail there, is it? It's a bit repetitive. There's a really nice guitar bit. I feel they could have phrased it better or, or spaced out the village word because they just repeat that too much. On Two Minutes to Midnight, it's a catchy chorus, but they say Two Minutes to Midnight, and then there's a gap where they say other things, whereas here, they say, back in the village, again in the village. I, th I think you do this in a popular song. You know, you've got that repetition, haven't you? So that you know, make the chorus catchy. But this was never a single, and it shouldn't have been because it doesn't sound like one. On songs like Flight of Icarus, they'd add harmonies to make this even more catchy, but they don't do this here. The chorus of Back in the Village is just Bruce, and it's sort of quite, quite simple, really, but in a way, a lot of people feel that ruins the song. It's a bit like Invaders, you know, that sort of... People will say it's a good song, but the chorus lets it down. And to me, the chorus lets it down, because it reminds me of when I used to play with He-Man figures with Trevor. You may remember that he had Snake Mountain once. You may even remember he did uh, an impression of Skeletor on one of the episodes, which, which wasn't very good. But yeah, when uh, we used to play, one of us would be the goodies, one would be the baddies. When He-Man came in, we'd sing his theme tune, but Trevor would ruin it, because he'd sing the Back in the Village lines to it. Back in the village, again in the village, I'm back in the village again. And he'd sing this, even if there was no village in the plot, in the story that we were doing. But have He-Man riding in on Battle Cat, singing that. It looks silly. And then I moved away and sat and read some magazines. There's actually some quotes from the TV show The Prisoner, where it says, I don't have a number, I'm a name. 
That's an echo from the, the song The Prisoner, where he says, I'm not a number, I'm a free man. And he also says, questions are a burden and answers a prison for oneself, which I believe is a direct quote from the show. He also talks about the number six. Uh, he says, I see sixes all the way. Now, this follows on from a line about throwing some dice. So this might sound like he's playing Dungeons and Dragons or something. But of course, in The Prisoner, the main character is called number six. So even though he might try and escape, that there isn't any, he's everywhere. And it's quite a common knowledge that when Bruce sings, I see six is all the way, you can hear a whisper in the background saying 666, which of course is a reference to the number of the beast and a previous album. This is good. And later on, when he says the word killer, there's an emphasis on that word with sort of an echo effect. And again, you take him back to another album title. So that's interesting. I think one of the problems with the song is it's the same tempo all the way through. And that's quite exciting if, if it's a short song, but it's over five minutes long. And even in the middle eight section, when he says, but still we walk into the valley, there's no let up. It, 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 it's not different enough for me to stand out. I'd like a slower section. You'll be pleased to know that Adrian Smith's back. Uh, let's see what he's got to say. Hi, this is Adrian Smith. I'm delighted to be back with you. Uh, I've had a bit of free time lately, so I've been looking at my children's book again. And uh, I think it's an apt time, with it being back in the village, to actually go back to my village, uh, the village in the book, uh, the children's book. Um, so yes, I, I thought I'd come back and, and reveal the next part. I heard an Arrival podcast about Blaze doing a, a sort of science fiction trilogy, uh, three books, that would be, um, and uh, that's quite a successful thing to do. Uh, there's quite some very popular trilogies, uh, the Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, and I think maybe I'll do the same. Uh, I'm, you may recall I'd already done part one, so maybe I'll be doing three parts to my children's book. I'm not copying him. Um, that, that's not what's happening. Uh, trilogies aren't anything new. Blaze didn't invent them. I'm actually being quite innovative because uh, I'm going to go and release part three, second, uh, which which might seem a bit strange um, and maybe a bit annoying, but uh, you do have to take risks when you do art. Uh, you have to stand out from the crowd. So everyone will expect part two to follow what I've already done, um, but actually, no, I, I'm going to come at you with uh, part three. I think people will marvel at this uh, and, and praise the artistic merit because it, it, it's a, a parallel of my time in Iron Maiden. Um, if you look at the Iron Maiden story, part one, I was there, the glory years, and then there's this sort of gap for part two, isn't there? I, I'm not there for that. Uh, and maybe that was disappointing. Um, and as you will be disappointed, maybe that there's no part two of my book for, for now. Um, but yeah, the, the third part of Iron Maiden, my triumphant return, uh, that, that, again, mirrors what's about to happen here um, with part three of my book. Again, some might be sceptical with the idea at first, like they were uh, when I came back in 1999. Um, but yeah, as I say, uh, I think people will enjoy the symbolism with me doing this. And, and again, I don't think it's been done in literary history. Part three, chapter one, back in the village. It was a cool night, and Officer Riggs was out rambling enjoying the bright moonlight and gazing up at the stars. He stopped under a street lamppost and reflected on the new calmness that surrounded him. At last, there was a sense of normality. 
Over the last year, so much had changed. A fear had plagued the village. People were scared to leave the house, not trusting authority. It hadn't seemed real, and one day it would be a story to chill the bones. Now, though, it was over, and all thanks to him. There he had stood at the special ceremony, giggling while he received a medal of bravery. He had caught the villain responsible for all this, a bald-headed master of disguise, who had tricked everyone by dressing up in different wigs and costumes, including an Egyptian mummy, a futuristic robot cowboy, and old Mrs. Stratton, of course. While all seemed back to normal and the streets were safe, there was still something that bothered Officer Riggs. Several things had not been cleared up. The boys who had gone missing had reported of strange worlds or new frontiers or dimensions where they had been taken by this scoundrel. This sounded like nonsense, yet they described several scenes that he, Officer Riggs, had drawn in his private sketchbook, and nobody could have known of these. Secondly, when he came face to face with a villain, wearing a spiky, yellowy-orange wig, there was something familiar about him. Again, it looked like something he had once painted, an odd creature. Yet afterwards, when Officer Riggs went to look at the picture he thought he had drawn, there was no creature there. Just a brick wall and a lamppost. It was all very odd. Adrian was also looking at the moon that night. From his bedroom window, he stared across the garden, looking at the meadows. It's a chilly one, he said to his fishing rod, and Marmaduke, his teddy bear. And he snuggled up in his blanket. He found it hard to sleep after recent events and had a newfound fear of the dark. He tried to close his eyes and think of home, and eventually he drifted off. The next morning, his father was at the breakfast table, reading the newspaper. It seems the Diano family is leaving town, he said. Adrian looked at the headline. New shop to open in the village, it said. Good riddance, his father continued. Their son Paul was a bad influence on you, and I don't think I ever saw any customers in their shop. Adrian buttered some toast and thought about their shop. He had never been inside the bottle top. It only sold glass bottles and spinning tops, and Adrian wasn't interested in either. Does it say what the new shop will be? he asked his father. No, came the response. But it will be opening in two weeks. Adrian thought about Paul. They were not great chums, but Adrian tried to imagine what it would be like for him if he were suddenly a stranger in a Eat your toast, Adrian, and stop daydreaming. Why can't you read some books like your friend Steve? He was meeting Steve later that day. They were having a walk in the park. It was a bitterly cold morning. But when he arrived, he saw that Steve wasn't wearing any gloves. Have you heard about the new shop? asked Adrian. But Steve didn't seem too interested in this. Adrian felt Steve was a bit jealous, that he had experienced new things and had spent time away from the gang for a while. While he was away, they now had Yannick in their gang and Adrian wasn't sure about him. He did a funny jig when he got excited. Adrian felt that, in a way, they had replaced him, but when he had come back, Yannick just stuck around. Adrian knew that at least Dave would be excited about the shop, and he couldn't wait to talk about the possibilities over tea and iced buns later that afternoon. Even though I moaned a bit earlier about not being much of a change in the tempo, There's still plenty of sections. So we've had some verses and choruses, which I've spoke about, and even that middle eight section. But there's also a solo in it. And this solo is is very good, and longer than you might think. 
it's probably not one you'd recall if you, if you had to think about it. But uh, the fact that it doesn't stand out, despite being really good, just shows how good the music and guitar work is across the album. I mentioned last week that Bruce gets one of the highest notes he sang in the studio on this song. It was this song, and Flight of Icarus. Now I checked that website again, and I found that I missed Gangland, which has a, a note slightly higher. But either way, his second highest note features on this song, and Flight of Icarus. And here is that note now, when he, he does that rising burn. That trick that Paul Diano did a lot. And here it is with Flight of Icarus. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring now and uh, see what he's up to. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor. How are you doing? Well, yeah, I'm all right. Still not happy about last week. Well, I'm not surprised. We've had several negative comments about it. We've had Don McIntyre saying you were rude to Uncle Steve, not letting him in. Uh, we've had similar comments from others. Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, you were a disgrace to the Midlands. Bass Forest again. Well, I was always told not to open the door to strangers. And also, there's there's a pandemic going on. Maybe there isn't in Texas. In Birmingham, there is. Nothing's open. Can't do anything. Why would I let him in? Okay, well, anyway, those are just comments. We have to pass them on. And uh, as as some others have commented in, in the whole exchange that was on the show when you were both doing your poems, there was a few negative comments in the background when... Uncle Steve was talking or reading his poem. Well, it was the same the other way around. I heard him laughing at some of my poem. I don't know how he gets away with it all the time. He's, he's been having a go for ages, and then he comes and does a poem that's really weak. Um, so it just shows, doesn't he? I don't think he was that rude. I don't remember anything particular. Yeah, well, you wouldn't, would you? Anyway, if you listen back to it all, look at his comments through, through the months, he's always been negative. And even when I've been nice to him, sent him a book, and I sent him a message for his Christmas show. And he played the message with all the children. It was offensive. You know, he just he's rude and he's a bully. Okay, well let's let's move on then. Um, so you you saw the poll though that must have made you happy. Well, yeah, that maybe people thought mine was better, but, but yeah, I've moved on. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, so uh, let's talk about it now then. Let's let's talk about the presents. So uh, what, what's happening? Well, yeah, I'm getting ready for Pancake Day, um, which is when this episode comes out. So I'm looking forward to that. I like pancakes. Do you like them with savoury or sweet? Oh, no, I like tradition. I like the uh, Jif lemon and sugar. I did know it was uh, Pancake Day, actually. And I asked Alan Bell what he likes in his pancakes. Oh, yeah. What did he say? He likes it with golden syrup. But he calls them Scotch pancakes or Dutch scones. What? Oh, no, uh, drop scones, he calls them. I don't know what Dutch scones are. I don't know where that came from. Scones? Yeah. You mean scones? Oh, I don't don't want this sort of rubbish going on again. Why is always an issue about food? I don't want to be getting into a debate on how to pronounce scones. Well, why do you pronounce it scones when you're from the Midlands? Well, that's that's how we pronounce it. Uh, All right, well, anyway... uh, yeah, so it's Pancake Day, and then, of course, you just had Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, how did that go? Yeah, it was a success. I sent quite a lot of cards. OK, how many did you get? I'm not at liberty to say. What do you mean? Well, I'm not, I'm not telling you. Did you get more than ten? No. Did you get more than five? No. Did you get less than three? I'm not at liberty to say. Why not? 
It doesn't matter, does it? I didn't get any. Well, a gentleman never tells. I said I didn't get any. I did get... There was a, a Fray Bentos left on the uh, front doorstep. Was that you? Messing about? No. Who sent that, then? I don't know. Well, there was nothing with it. It was just a tinned pie on, on the doorstep. Was it wrapped in a ribbon? No. Uh, no note with it? No. Maybe it blew away? No, maybe. Maybe I should run down the road and have a look. It's vegetable balty flavour. Looking forward to it. That's nice. You can have a pie island with it. No, I don't think I'll have beans with it. Maybe I'll do a castle, have the peas. So anyway, what do you think of back in the village? I think it's a good start to side two, quite strong. Um, I remember you mentioned that track two on the albums are probably the strongest, but I think the first song on the start of side B on the album so far are all good. I think if we've had Transylvania... Uh, Number of the Beast, Killers, obviously, um, The Trooper. I mean, that's a great mix. I know they're not all the same number on the, on the album. They're not all track number five or anything. But uh, you turn the record over, you want to be getting straight back into it. So they all have to have an impact, and uh, I like it. Okay, and, uh, so you think it's a decent song? Do you like Bruce Dickinson's lyrics? The, the, the fact that they're not quite clear, a bit like Revelations? Yeah, I think they're quite good. Um, I always thought Shell Shock in the Kitchen was about eggs, because, of course, um, you cook them, and maybe you, you drop an egg on the floor when you're doing an omelette, when you listen to Aces High, and it drops on the floor, and it's a shock. Why is it that you seem to be mentioning eggs a lot in this series? Where's this come from? Is this not a joke? No, that's what I thought. I remember I did do that in Aces High. I did sing about frying and scrambling, and, and it's the same in this. I remember the shell shock in the kitchen. It made me think of eggs. Obviously didn't know about shells on the battlefield. All right then, well, anyway, uh, have you got a poem? I mean, not sure after last week you should be doing poems anymore. That's not very nice. My poem was still quite good, I thought. It was just ruined by the atmosphere and, 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 and the other issues. Anyway, I'll read it, yeah. I've seen the bright lights. I've danced on the sand. I've sampled paradise they'd never understand. But yet... I always return to this old familiar throne. There are so many dreams, but only one home. Okay, so uh, I'm guessing that's like back in the village where you're returning to where you live or something. So on a throne, are you a king or a prince? No, not necessarily. Um, It's about returning to Birmingham when you've been away on holiday. You sort of go away, don't you? And you get seduced by the seaside or um, the arcades or French women, but then you go home to Birmingham, you see it looming in the distance, sort of this fog, spaghetti junction. It used to be quite sad, but really that's home, and it still is, and they're your roots, and you should be proud of them. What's that got to do with the song, though? Well, I suppose the theme back in the village, really. A bit like, maybe I can't escape it, like the character in The Prisoner. You know, you try and run away from Birmingham, but you always end up back there. You know, I didn't go to university. I didn't have chances to escape. I might try it. I might pretend to run away once. But I got down to the, the end of the road and I got scared and I ran home. Okay, well, we don't have to go through this now. Why? I think it's good to talk. Well, it's, it's not the place, is it, mate? Maybe we'll have a chat later, not, not on the podcast, because talking about your talking about our past has got us into a bit of trouble. I mean, I, I apologise for mentioning Kiss Chase last week, but there's, there's too much that comes up and... Well, yes, I've been advised that talking about your problems can be a good thing, especially for men of our age. 
But uh, I don't know if a podcast is the place for it. This is an Iron Maiden podcast. People want to hear about Bruce Dickinson and Yannick Gers and, and, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They don't want to hear about Trevor running away from home and ice cream men. Maybe, maybe we need to reassess it for the, for the next series. No, I think we should keep poetry. I never said about getting rid of poetry. Oh, yeah. All right, so next week it's Power Slave, the, uh, the title track, so that'll be fun. Uh, looking forward to that. So I'll speak to you in the week then, Trevor. OK, thanks, Wayne. Bye. OK, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Wayne Maiden. I'm also on other social media sites. I've got a Ko-Fi page. I haven't posted anything there for a while, but I will be soon, because on Friday uh, it's my first birthday. And it's not me, Wayne's birthday. That, that doesn't happen. You may remember I told you I was a virgin, which means my birthday's in the summer. Um, but no, this is the first birthday of the podcast because Prowler came out on the 19th of February. And if you look back, you'll see it says the 17th of February. This is wrong because I launched it on Mixcloud on the 19th, which was a Thursday. And then when I actually came to put it on Apple or Spotify or wherever, um, I had to sort of have some sort of consistency. And I wanted it to come out on a Tuesday. So... This might be like the Paul Daniels magic set where I sort of fainted a bit and uh, told you that it came out on the 17th. Um, so people finding it would think there'd been two episodes already, even though they'd come out on the same date. This is totally irrelevant and quite boring, but I'm explaining it so you don't sort of come back to me and complain. Anyway, the good news is it's one year on. So thank you very much for listening to this point. Uh, hopefully you've heard all of the episodes to date, maybe in order. Maybe you've done it randomly. That'd be interesting. So this time last year, as I speak, there was no such thing as my podcast. I hadn't even thought about it because the first episode went up quite quickly. I didn't really plan it. I just did it as a sort of quick thing. Uh, and maybe people have noticed that when they do listen back to the first episode. But uh, never mind. I had a nice message from Charlie Honor and he says that uh, is Beyond the Stratosphere available to download or stream anywhere? He even says he'd like to own it on vinyl. So that's nice. Uh, I'm sure Dennis Stratton will be pleased um, that the song that is now his theme tune uh, is actually in demand. Um, so, yeah, I might, I might pop that on the Ko-Fi page soon. Uh, maybe I should release it officially, and then if it gets enough downloads, it might get on top of the pops. So back in the village then, I think it's, uh, as Trevor says, pretty decent song, quite standard. Um, I think there's probably not many people who'd say it's their favourite song on the album. Um, I'd be quite surprised. And, and again, if there is such a person out there, Get in touch, because I'd like to have a chat with you. It's probably a bit late now, because I won't be talking about Back in the Village again, but uh, certainly send a message. We can you know, give you a shout-out. I believe it's called a shout-out when someone uh, messages you and, and you tell their name. Is it tell tell their name? I think you say it. Sh- you know, you shout it out, don't you? Or, well, I'm not shouting, but that's what they call it, shout-out. So join me next week for Power Slave, and uh, I'll leave you with a bit of Back in the Village. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>